There's a great Rosh Yeshiva who lives in Eretz Yisrael who told a story about himself. I don't know if it's proper to say his name because well, you hear the story, you decide for yourselves. But he told the story that he was with Reb Elia Mishkovsky and another great Rosh Yeshiva sitting by Reb Baruch Ber. And they were discussing Amuna and Bitochen. You know, there's a pretty much accepted that we're not Oisik in Chakira today. Many of the Gedoyle Hador taught us that even though there were many Rishonim who did engage in Chakira and philosophy, however, it's not for our door. And there was a discussion about this subject. And this particular Shishiva said to Rabbah Ber, he said he had an original thought. Says the Torah is Yikorahi Mipninim. It's more precious than diamonds or precious stones. Says when somebody wants a string, a necklace of pearls or precious stones, says first on the bottom you have to tie a knot. And then when you string on the pearls, if there's a strong knot on the bottom, it can hold it up. He said in the same way, if one has a strong basis, a strong foundation in Emunah and Betochen, once you've got that, once you've got the knot at the bottom, then one could be Oisik and be Choyker and try to understand according to his own Seichel. And Rabbi Ochber got very upset at him. He says, who told you? Where do you get that from? There was a question on a piece of meat, one to a rov to ask him a question. When it comes to das and ashkofa, everybody's a poisik for himself. How do you know what to do? Maybe you'll say because you learn Torah, and when one learns Torah, he gets a perfect seichel to be able to be mechaven to the truth. How many times do we battle in the middle of learning? How many times do we waste and we lose the special schooler of a Torah cup that the Torah will give us? How do you know? And as a shiva said, you can understand, I was very upset and I kept quiet. A little bit later, Abba Ochbeck calls me aside. He says, I want to explain something to you. Years ago, my first Rabbonus, I was a Rav in the city, I think it was the city of Hummel. And before I went, my Rebbe, Reb Chaim Briske, called me over. And my Rebbe had gehalt nich He said, my Rebbe held, I wasn't too clever. So he asked me, he says, you're probably going to have to speak, give a drosha, tell me what you're planning on saying. I want to hear it first. And I told him exactly the same thought that you just expressed. You carry me pinina, you tie a knot on the bottom of the necklace, and then you could string the pearls and they'll hold straight. And Rab Chaim reacted to me the same way that I reacted to you. I just wanted to tell you that. And he says, of course, you can understand that I felt a great sense of peace, and I felt better after Rabbi Ochbeh calmed me down that way. Rabbi said, we're being oisik in inyonim, Emune betochen, now the Ramban writes in Sefer Emune betochen that Emune is like the tree and betochen are like the fruit. The betochen are the pears that grow out of the betochen or grow out of the Emune. And as we're continuing here into Perik Aleph and Shara betochen, which the opening words are Mohusa betochen, the essence of betochen, we have to be aware that we have to be very careful of what we say and be very careful of what we think. And follow Alpi, the Hadroches and the Hashkofes that the Svarim Akdoishim give us, so that we should not be Cholilo making a toys. And the Rebbeinu should give us Siyata Deshmaya. The Chayvus Alavavus begins in Perik Aleph. Muhus Habitochen, who? What is the essence of Bitochen? 
Menuchas ha-nefesh If anybody is following with the text, I'm actually not reading the original text of the Chayvah Salavavis, but from the Pirish, which is a very faithful Pirish, the Leif Toiv, who many people use this today, and we're going to be following those Lashoynas. Menuchas ha-nefesh means a sense of tranquility and calm. The menuchas ha-nefesh of the Baal betochen, that's the essence of betochen, which is already very difficult to understand. We would, the way we understood it from the psiche, and the way it would make sense to us is that menuchas ha-nefesh is a result of betochen. If somebody is a boiteach b'ashem, he will be serene, he'll be tranquil, he'll have menuchas ha-nefesh. But what does it mean that the mahus of betochen, the essence of the betochen, is the menuchas ha-nefesh of the Baal betochen? Let us continue. Furthermore, he says, one's heart should rely and be dependent upon the one on who he is by Teach, to believe and to trust that Shahu Oises Mashahu Toy Vinochoin Avuroi, that he is doing for me what is best and correct for me according to to his yechoyles and his yediyah, to his knowledge and his capabilities and these things that are for my benefit. Then the Chayvah Salavavis continues and says, Acho Iker, the most important point, which through this, the Tochen will be established in the heart of a person. Vishevilodoy, without this, ein lebetochen mitzius. The betochen has no basis, has no existence if we're missing this point. His heart should be relying and trusting that the one in whom he believes will keep what he promised and he will do for me such favors, even those that he did not promise me, and he never accepted upon himself to give them to me, even though I am undeserving of them, and they were given to me as a gift and as a kindness, even though it's not coming to me. And this also needs explanation. You would understand this is an important factor, in Betochen, one of the rules of Betochen, but in Perik Aleph, which consists, as the smallest Perik in Shara Betochen, consists of only ten lines, that this should be an Iker, and this should be so important that without this, Betochen has no Metzius, needs an explanation. The Chagas Alavavas, in these ten lines, are telling us, is telling us, the parts that formulate the essence of betochen. One should not have a mistake. Betochen is not a tactic. It's not like a drink that one takes to make him forget his troubles. Am beteach b'ashem. Betochen is a powerful tool that propels us into a different sphere. A safe place. A mokim that's botuach. A mokim that's secure. A different type of life. And to enter that world, one needs to master this tool, this eights of being a boiteach b'ashem. And the first thing one has to do, an active part of betochen, not a result of betochen, is menuchas ha-nefesh. Somebody told a story, he was once walking with the Chazanish on one of the streets of Nebrak, 
and a truck came hurtling down the road and there was a fellow who jumped out of the way and smashed into us, into myself, he says, and into the Chazanish with such force that he threw my hat flying and he almost knocked the Chazanish over. The Chazanish didn't even turn around to see what happened. He was such a master of Menuchas HaNefesh he was so not perturbed, he didn't even stop, he didn't lose. He didn't miss a beat. Menuchas HaNefesh is the hallmark of a great person. The Heilige Chofetz Chaim used to say, Midas, I have to have in my pocket. That means, when I feel now it's important that I should express anger, I take kas out of my pocket and use it. If it there's a time now to give musr, I take this out, a time sometimes to be harsh with somebody. But it's all in total control. I have a complete menucha. I'm never subjected to outside forces that are controlling me and telling me what to do so that I lose my equilibrium, I lose my menucha sanefesh. Now, the Chazanish once said, he said, everybody has to go through this world. You can go through it angrily, you can go through it with worry, you can go through it with a smile. It seems to me that those who go through it with a smile turn out much better, have a much better life. Because the life, whether you worry, what is all these things don't make a difference into what the life really is about. The reaction, the menuchas ha-nefesh that we have, that defines our life. The maral, in the Sivas Oilam, in the Siv HaBetochem, he says, what we try, sometimes we can understand the essence of something by observing what its opposite is. What's the opposite of Betochem? The Maral says the opposite of Betochem is Pachad, is fear. As the Posik says in Mishlei, Cherdas Odom Yitain Moikesh, the fear of a person will give him a moikesh, a stumbling block, uboiteyach bashem yisugov. But one who's boiteyach bashem, who relies on the rabbi and will be lifted up and he will be strong. And the Maral brings a Gemara. There's a Gemara Masech to Brachis, tells a story. There was this Talmud who was following Rabbi Yishmob or Rabbi Yossi in the street. Chazi d'cham mefachet, Rabbi Yishmob saw that he was in fear, the Talmud was in fear. So he turned to me and says, Chato'ah. You are a sinner. As it says in the Pasuk, So the Talmud asked him, but doesn't the Pasuk say, Fortunate is the one who is always in fear. And he answered him, That's referring to Avoidus Hashem, to Divrei Torah. One should be always in fear that perhaps he is not living up to his chayvus and to what he owes the Rabbeinu Shalom. But one who is in fear about inyonim that are not toyer and Hashem is a choyte. And the Maral explains. A keli, a vessel that's complete and strong on its own, one doesn't have to be afraid that it's going to break. When it has in its essence perfection, when it's finished, when it has shleimus, um, doesn't have to be, there's no fear of it breaking. The fear of breaking is only when the keli is a keli ru'ua. It's a vessel that's not stable, that doesn't have its own strength and its own completeness. In inyonim of oilam hazeh, we are already so complete and so looked after and so in the hands of the rabbi shaloylam, we're a solid vessel. There's no room for fear. 
when it comes to Torah, to serving the Rabbi Shalom, to bringing in Torah into ourselves, there we're an incomplete vessel. Torah only becomes ours after we're miyageh on it, and we struggle to try to be kind to, uh, to attain it. So when it comes to Torah, Ashrei Adam Tomid, I'm incomplete. I don't have yet what I need. I'm uncertain. I don't know yet if I'm looked after. I don't know if I'm doing what I have to do. There, there's room for fear. But in Inyonim Gashmi, and I'm long taken care of before I set foot onto this world. My whole life has been planned out for me. There's no room for pachad. Yet sometimes we have such a wrong picture of life. And when it comes to Inyonim of Avodis Hashem, we're so complacent and we're so secure and we're such valid betochen that everything is fine. And all our worries and our daigis we pour into our gashmias dikitzrochim. They say there was a guy who once observed, once observed the Chafetz Chaim at night through his window. And he saw he was writing and writing for hours. And he used to go every night to watch him. He said, I don't understand. The Chafetz Chaim, this man, he has such a little store. How many hours could he sit and be keeping the books of his little store? Chaim at night was writing his Chidush he was writing the Mishnabru, he was writing the Shemir Haloshin. But this man couldn't understand that the Chavetz Chaim has a to- he knew the Chavetz Chaim has a store. And that's a tiny, tiny little part of his life with which we have very little say. Which is completely controlled by the Rabbi Nishaloylam. But the part of our life that's up to us to create that is where we have to put our koiches into. Menuchas ha-nefesh, meaning this lack of fear, this tranquility. The Maral explains in the Siv HaKas, every person is created with a certain mishkal, a certain equilibrium, a program. Imagine you would have a computer program, how something is, some, is, is meant to function. It was engineered in a certain way that this is his true existence. Shefa, his needs, can come to him when he is acting according to his optimum efficiency, when he's in that perfect balance, in that state that he was created, when he's in that position, he can connect, he can gain the, the, the Shefa. Imagine when they're trying to control, you know, the, in, 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 in NASA, when they're trying to get two um, spaceships up there near the moon, they're trying to get them to connect, and every single uh, um, wire and bolt and has to go, to, and they're, they're guiding it with computers, and if one little thing, if a, if a solar wind will come and push it a, a millimeter out of the way, it can't connect. When we're in a state of menuchas ha-nefesh, we're in a state of the perfect tmimus, the perfect balance that we can receive our shefa. Imagine you take the computer program and you scratch it up or you shake it. A lack of menuchas nefesh is a shake-up of the equilibrium. And the most extreme shake-up is pachat. We can tremble in fear. It paralyzes someone into inaction. And that's why the Pasik says, Loshan, Cherdas Adam yitain moikesh. What's a moikesh? A stumbling block. It trips him. It makes him lose his balance. So that he cannot connect to the Shefa. As the Gemara said in the next story that he brings, the same Gemara in Brochus, where someone was frightened and he said, with fear, you're going to looking to bring upon yourself Yisurim. Because when a person loses his Menuchas HaNefesh, his Rahman al 
upsetting the balance, a moikesh, a stumbling block. He's tripping himself up, so he's not in a position to receive the shefa. When we want to have betochen, one of the greatest fears, the deepest fears that we have, and we would think about it, we would see that this is true. We think to ourselves, perhaps I'm not worthy. Of course the Rabbi Yishlam looks after everyone. And of course the Rabbi Yishlam is in control of my life. And of course the Rabbi Yishlam wants what's good, but I've done so many Averis. I'm not Roy, I'm not worthy. Who says that the Rabbi Yishlam will look after me? And this type of fear undercuts and actually can destroy a person's bitachim. But let us see what the Heilig Yisvarim have to tell us. There's a Ramban. The Ramban brings up the Posik. Rabim mach oivim lo rosho. Great pain comes to the rosho. Vahaboi peyach vashem chesed yisoi vevenu. And the Medrash says, Afilu rosho. Uboi peyach vashem. Even if one is wicked with his boi peyach vashem. Chesed yisoi vevenu. He will be surrounded by chesed. And the Ramban says, this that it says in the Posik, Betach Bashem Vasei Toiv. It says first trust in Hashem and then do good. Kiloima. Even though you don't have Maisim. And you know on your own, Im with all that, Betach Bashem, trust in Hashem. Kihu He's full of mercy and will be merciful to you as it says in the Posik, Verachma Val Kol Maso. And the Chofetz Chaim in the Kuntrus Nefutsis Yisrael brings, one should know, the Midah of Betochen is not dependent on one's schusim, on one's merit. Even an Odom She'ena Hogun, even if he doesn't do what he's meant to be doing, Ach She'chizek Bitchoinoi, he strengthened his Betochen Bashem, Koyach HaBetochen Megin Olof. The power of Betochen will protect him. And the Rabbi Nishalai will give him Chesed. And he brings Ken Kosev Hagro, Bechein Muchach Pashtay Dikro. The morale says even further. Sometimes we know we say, Nebuch, somebody doesn't have a good mazel. You know, Chazal tell us. Zog the morale. Yesh l'chol adas, one should know. By betochen it says, Bitchu boy adayav. Ki afal gav, even though sometimes a person is not roy for the goodness because of roya mazel shaloi. He has to have a bad mazel. Im kol he should trust in Hashem. He should be boy teach b'ashem, who's bitchu boy adayav, ki beko Hashem tzur oilomim. And he can be, will be mashpia to him from an oilom elyoi that's kuloi toiv, even if in oilom hazeh, he's got a mazel ra. And this is what the Chayda Salavavas is telling us, that without this knowledge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us, even if we're not worthy, even if we're not on the proper level, because then we become full of fear. And we don't have the menuchas hanefesh that we need to absorb the chef of the Rabbi Nishaloylam. So we learned in these ten lines that there are three factors. The structure of betochen is based on, firstly, menuchas hanefesh, as an active part of the act of betochen, 
total reliance on the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, realizing that he knows what's good and proper for me, and also realizing that the Rebbeinu Shalaylam will give and will be mashpia to the Baiteyach Bashem lifnim mishuras hadin, even when he's not deserving. And we'll see later in Perik Dalit, Chayvasalavavas' shita in this itself may be a little bit different than the Rishayim as pertains to a Rosha, because we'll see him at Shem when we get there. But the Nakuda that Betochen works above the power of Schusim or the part of Mazel, this is the fear that we need to overcome in order that our Betochen should have a Metzius. Now, if we want to have this Betochen, want to have this trust in Hashem, Chayvasalavavas tells us, imagine if we wanted to depend on a person. And many of us may know somebody, have somebody in our lives who's very, very dependable. And who's dependable personally to myself. Someone I know I can always count on. Someone who will always have me in mind. Someone who will always do what's good for me. If you imagine such a person, if you have, you have the schools to have such a person in your life, you're very fortunate. But what type of qualities would this person have to have so that I should be totally reliant on this person. And the Chavaz of goes to describe what a person would need to have that I should be able to depend on him totally. And he gives a list of seven qualities. Firstly, the Midah of Rachman. The person has to be merciful, a loving, kind person, a good person. And when we know somebody who's good and kind and giving and caring, we come to trust in that person. The second thing we would need to be sure of is that this person is concerned about me. He thinks about me, and he's worried about my needs, and he's always trying to see that I have what I need. The third thing I would need to know is that this person is what you say in Yiddish, is tichtik. He has to be capable. He has to be somebody who can deliver the good. There are some very fine and wonderful people who want to do good, but they don't have the ability to deliver what they want to deliver. The fourth thing is, that this person should know what's good for me, what I need. We're often in the position of somebody who wants very, very much to do us a favor that we really don't want. We don't know how to deal with him. He wants to give us something that we're actually in no need of at all because he doesn't understand my needs. So this person, ought to be dependent upon him, he would have to know what's good for me and what's exclusively for me. The fifth thing, the fifth quality, Imagine if this person was my guide and my only guide from the time from the beginning of my birth throughout all my years from youth until old age. If there was such a guide who looked after me, who was my manik all those years, that would be somebody who I could depend on totally. The sixth thing is that he has to be one who I am given over completely to, meaning that he is the only one who can affect my life. Because if there are others who have input, I can't depend on him totally. Maybe somebody else will come and distort what he did or do otherwise. So I have to be, he has to be one who no one else can do, can cause me hezek or help or to give a toiva to or to keep hezek away. Only like this person who's a complete master over my life. And the seventh thing would have to be that the one who I'm trusting in would have to be a nadiv leiv, ubal chesed betachlis. He has to be giving even to one who is not worthy of that. Because if I can only depend on somebody to give me good when it's coming to me, 
then I know I can't depend because very often I'm not going to be in a situation where I'm worthy of being helped. So the Chavim from above says, if you were to look around the world, there's no existence in the world that has all these seven qualities. The only place we can find all of these seven qualities is by the Rabbi Nishlam. The Rabbi Nishlam is a Koyal Yochel. The Rabbi Nishlam is the source of all Chemla, of all Rachmanis, not only the Rachmanis to us, any bit of Rachmanis that there is in the world, all goodness, we see people who are merciful to others, who want to help, who want to give, all of that comes from the Rabbi Nishlam. And the Rabbi Nishlam is Merachem on us more than anybody else, and he's Mashgiach and Anhog He's not Messiah Das from us for a moment. Every single moment of what we're living or what we're doing, he knows and he's keeping records and he's in control. And he's stronger than any other force in the world. And no force has a say when the Rabbeinu Shalom wants something. And he knows what's good for me, knows what's my benefit. And all these milers that one would search for in one who I want to trust can be found only by the Rabbeinu Shalom. The Rabbeinu Shalom is in effect so in control of our lives, it's such a perfect and intense control. There's nothing within our existence that's outside the control of the Rabbeinu Shalom. Now some people don't want to recognize that. Some people don't like the thought of being controlled. I like to be a little bit in charge of myself. I'll tell you an interesting thing, last week, we mentioned the idea of protein folding. For those of you who are here, that the, we discussed about the mathematicians who figured out that for a supercomputer that can calculate a trillion calculations a second to duplicate the mathematical complexities of one protein fold that there's in a living organism would take a computing time of 10 to the 127th power years. Now that itself is not such a chiddush. The same, a living organism does it in a second. The same Rebbeinu wrote, who did this, is the one who wrote Masech above a camera. So it's, uh, it's not such a chiddush. But I, one point, which I didn't share with you last week, is at the end of this article, there's a statement by a certain professor, who I assume is a highly intelligent man, because they don't quote me in this scientific journal. And he says, after reading all these mathematical calculations, he can only come to one conclusion. It has to be a mistake. Why does it have to be a mistake? Because how could it take a cell, a trillion, zillion, kabillion, I mean, there's no number big enough, it's ain't so mamish, years to make the optimal protein fold if we all know that the world is only so many and so many trillion years old. And therefore, there must be a mistake in the calculation. This is Mabel Orion. Instead of coming to the conclusion that what I believe is wrong, and even if the mathematical conclusions are calculations are off by a couple of trillion zillion years, they're still pretty impressive. No. There must be a mistake, a mistake by you, by the same scientist, he wouldn't hesitate to go onto the operating table if they told him that he needs an operation, then he wouldn't think that they're making a mistake, or that the computers are off, or their x-ray machines are imperfect. Because as Rabbi Khanan says, when it comes to Muna, we don't use our mind. Rabbi Khanan says, why the heart? It should be the head. 
is where Minas Rafi Karzas comes in. Because somebody wants to use his head, the control of the Rebbein Shalem is so obvious, just observe your fingernail, and there's enough there to realize that we don't, we have no say at all in anything that happens in this world, but a person has Tivus, he has Midas Raj, the things that he wants, so his heart will tell him, no, there's not such a control. I want to have some say in what goes on in my life too. And the man doesn't want to subject himself to the Rebbein Shalom's control. But our job as Eden, as the Chaybis Levava says, when we realize the extent of the Rabbeinu Shalom's Shlita over us, our Ratzin has to be Sheyimser Es Atzmenu, that we should give ourselves over into the hands of this unbelievable Shlita. That should be the Toitzah. That should be the result of this knowledge that the Rabbeinu Shalom is all-powerful and all-controlling of every facet of my life, that I should give myself over and subject myself to this. You know, when you sign up to join the army, it's a whole set of new obligations you take upon yourself. You um, abdicate many of your own rights because now you're a soldier. You're being controlled by the officers of the army. And because you're understanding, because through this I'm going to grow in a certain way. Now, imagine take a marshal. Imagine there's a very, very wealthy man who runs a big corporation, and he has a young son he wants to bring into the business. So he tells all the people in all the offices, look, I'm bringing my son in, and I want you to give him a rough time. I want every mistake to come his way, every problem. I want you to tell him such and such, and I want you to give him a hard time about this. And I want him to be able to go through every single possibility, and through this he should learn the business. Now the son comes in, he's all confident, he studied, he has his degree under his arm, he knows all about the business, he's been studying for years, and wherever he turns, this thing is happening, that's going the wrong way, this one's not cooperating, and this one's giving him a hard time. And what's going on over here? The truth is, his father is controlling every single act. He's behind. He knows exactly what was going to happen today. He knows why we did it, what the purpose of this. Everything was completely controlled. But it's more than that. Controlled by whom? Controlled by his father who loves him so much and only wants to see his benefit. Who is controlling us? We say we're subjecting ourselves, we're joining the army of Hashem, and we're going to follow his orders. Who? One who loves us more than we can ever possibly love ourselves, than we can ever possibly love our children. One whose love, whose ahala for us is endless. One who wants our toy, who only created us because he wants our betterment, because he wants to bring us close to him. Who only created us that our neshamas should become nizdachach on this world, so we should be roi, you know, to be nehenem, That's why he put us into this world. That's why he's controlling every single aspect of our life. Could one think of a better place to be? Could one imagine being more baiteach, being more secure than being in a situation where every move and every motion is planned by the one who loves me more than anything in the world? So one could ask the question, <laughs> we're under Hashem's control regardless whether we like it or not. So what's the difference if I'm boiteach b'ashem and I accept and I realize that I'm living under this control? 
when we subject ourselves to Hashem's Shlita, we bring something into our lives that's much, much greater. And here lies the enormity of the power of the Tochen. And this explains why the Tochen is not dependent upon Tzchusim. The Chafetz Chaim once said, in, when Lot took in the Malachim, and the people of Sodom surrounded the house and they wanted to harm the Malachim, Lot came out and says, you cannot harm them. al They came under my roof. They're depending on me. I cannot let harm come to them. So Chafetz Chaim said the thing. We know Lot... When Aknapet Sadik, Lloyd had his problem. And yet Lloyd understood that when someone is depending on him, when someone is looking to him for protection, Yashris demands that he give his help and give a hand. And the Chavetz Chaim's son writes that when my father said this, I showed him a medrash. A Moedrik medrash. The medrash, the Yalkit, is a medrash Eichatoyv in Tillim. On the Pasik, Eloikai Bechob Botachti Al Evoisha. The medrash brings a marshal. It was a story about a fellow who came to the city of the Melech and he slept outside and the Shoimrei HaMelech, the guards of the palace, found him and they began to beat him. So he said, leave me alone. He said, I am one of the members of the household of the king. Stop beating me. So they stopped and they took They didn't know yet who he was and they held him overnight. And they came and they brought him to the morning. They brought him to the king. This fellow says, he's one of your children. He's one member of your household. So the Melech said, um, do you know who I am? said, no, never met you before. So he said to him, why did you say that uh, you, you said you're a member of my household? So he said, look, I'm not one of you, I'm not one of your children, but I relied, I depended on your chesed, and I knew that if I would say that you're my protector, that you certainly wouldn't let me down. So the melech said, since you trusted in me, leave him alone. And that's what David Melech says, one who trusts in Hashem will never come to shame. When we rely on the Rebbeinu Shalom, for that alone, Hakadosh Baruch Hu comes through. Now, this is difficult. The Medrash is difficult to understand. I mean, first of all, I mean, we could see a different ending to the story. We could certainly understand the Melech might say, "What? You're an impostor walking around claiming that you're a prince, toss him into the dungeon for the next eighty years." There certainly would be a svarah to say like that. But let's say, no. He tells him, I didn't mean to lie. I really, really needed your help. And I had no other way. And therefore, I decided to say that I'm dependent upon you. And I trusted in your chesed. So let's say that's not a problem. But we all understand. I saw in different svarim explain. We know that there is an element in a person that when someone depends on me, someone trusts in me, I want to help. Imagine an employer thinking about firing a certain worker, and he overhears this worker telling somebody, Oh, that employer is so good to me. I owe everything I have to him. He looks after me. He worries about me. He worries about my family. The employer is gonna, it's not going to feel like firing. The fellow's depending on me. He needs me. You know, when you're going for tzedakah and you go to somebody and says, Look, you're the only one who can help us. The person feels a certain amount of his chayvus because there's an automatic reaction in a person if you're depending on me. I remember once as a bocha, I once had, I was traveling on a bus to go through a different area in New York to arrange some papers and it was in a terrible neighborhood and two fellows got on a bus I was a yeshiva bacher and two fellows got onto the bus and they were wearing swastikas I don't even know if it's legal I, I can imagine I was terrified they're sitting, two fellows, ruffians 
and wearing swastikas, Nazi emblem, and they're staring at me, staring at me, and I, I was preparing to get myself beat up. So I went over to them. I said, I have to get to this and this stop. Can you tell me when to get off? <laughs> now, they didn't love me, but I felt at that second, there was a little bit of softening. I'm dependent on you. I need your help. You're going to tell me where to get off and to leave me alone. There is such an element in human nature, but that cannot explain this in the Rabbeinu Shalom. The Rabbeinu Shalom, you can't flatter him. You can't, there's, there's no such a sense that he's depending on me, so therefore I can't let him down. Doesn't make sense. When we're looking, we're looking at a person, we can understand such a feeling. Maybe I would feel bad, I'd feel guilty. There's no such, not shayach. I mean, we, we, we can't begin to think of the Kabayochel in those terms. So a beautiful shot in this medish, in the Seif, in the Sivas Shalom, from the Slonim Rebbe Zatzal, where he explains it like this. The Baal Shem Tev teaches us a klal, Hashem Tzilcha. Hashem is our shadow. Hashem relates to us the, we, the way we relate to Him. We determine the status of that relationship. If I look to Hashem as someone who I'm dependent on, that type of relationship, at that moment, at that rega, the anhoga of the Rabbeinu Shalom corresponds and he gets that anhoga miyuchedah. I elevate the connection, the kesher is now a different type of relationship. I am his dependent. And the Rabbeinu Shalom responds in turn. I've changed the connection that it was until now and lifted it up into a different sphere, to a different status. Let's try to understand this a little bit. We know that Desla teaches us that the root of the word ahava is have, is giving. We love that to which we give. A farmer plants a tree and works and puts in koyach, he's going to love that tree because he invested his energy. A parent who puts energy into a child loves the child because he gave it so much. And this is a secret to life that the secular world has never mastered, never understood, and that's why they're in the state that they are. But we know that Ahava can only come from giving. Now, there are different levels of giving. I can give somebody some of his needs. I can give somebody almost all of his needs. But if I give somebody the sense that he can depend on me, not just depend on me, but totally be secure, I created his security, I'm giving him an esteem of a different level complete. I'm not just giving him something. I'm creating a new essence. I've given him life itself. When a person turns to the reverse and he says, tachti, I am dependent upon you. At that moment, the Rebbe is giving him life himself. The Rebbe is assuming responsibility. You know what it means to assume responsibility? It means to incorporate into myself. An orev, the poet can teach us, is a loiver. When I'm a co-signer, I also borrow. So in effect, when I'm boiteyach b'ashem, when I tell the Rebbe, I depend on you, at that moment I am becoming a ben amelech. When you fill out your IRS forms, I don't want to remind anybody, but when you fill it out, your children are called your dependents. 
The Rabbi Nishalaylam's Hanhagah to us is according to our Hanhagah to him. If we say we're members of your household, then we are bringing upon ourselves a new level of Ahava. A level of Ahava that comes from an Asina that's not Stam and Asina, an Asina of everything. I'm creating you and then you become part of me. And there's no better space in the world. That's the space of the Baal Betochen. A Ben Melech. And he doesn't need schuyos for that. A child is a child no matter what. The father can punish him. The father can hit him. The father can scold him. But he always remains his son. And he's going to look after his needs. And he always has where to turn. And that's why by tzaddikim we found extraordinary levels of clinging to the midah of betochen that really are beyond our madrege, beyond our understanding. If any of us were given an offer, you can have tomorrow a billion dollars in your bank account. Or, I can give you the betochen of the chazanish. So which would we choose? Well, it's safe to say none of us are on the madrege. We would probably accept, take, rather have the million dollars or the billion dollars even though we know that having the betochen of the chazanish would mean I wouldn't need the billion dollars, but since we're not in that sphere, we can't even imagine. And so, but what would a tzaddik choose? Say the briskerov used to support his koil, and it was unbelievable amuna betochen how it went. And always the last day he managed to cover the expense. And someone asked him that perhaps we should get a few virim together. We'd be happy to make an endowment and you'll be able to live off the, uh, off, off the revachim, off the prophets, and you wouldn't have to worry about supporting the yeshiva. And he says, what? I should sell my betochen for a few dollars? If I could live with betochen, why should I live with money in the bank? Rabchatzke Levenstein, this story is unbelievable. Somebody once saw Rabchatzke Levenstein when he was living in Eretz Yisrael, he was walking around very, very happy. He asked him, why is the Mashgiach so happy? So I'll tell you, when I lived in Europe, and I was a Mashgiach in the Miri Yeshiva, the salary was very erratic, I couldn't depend on it, so I lived with Betochen. Since I came to Israel, I get a monthly check. So I don't have Betochen. The last seven months, the Yeshiva hasn't paid, so I'm back to Betochen, I'm so happy, I'm so excited, I could be a Betochen, Bashem. But we can't imagine such a life. But we can understand what it means. He's saying, I'm a Ben Melech. I'm in a different place. You can't compare the place where you are to the place where I am. The Heiliger of Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld once had a dream that if he were to purchase a certain lottery ticket with this and this number, he would win. And the next day, he was thinking about buying the lottery ticket. And then he said to himself, what, I got one dollar in my pocket, which is the Rebbeinu sent to me to live for today. Uh, what right do I have to take it and spend it on a lottery ticket for tomorrow? Tomorrow the Rabbi Yishlam would provide for me. So he decided he bought bread with it and he didn't buy the ticket. And of course that ticket won. And somebody asked him, do you, do you regret that you didn't buy the lottery ticket? Said, of course not. Why should I regret it? I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Because he would rather be a Baiteach Bashem Chesed Yisoyvevenu. He would rather be in that mokoy. He would rather be dependent on the Rabbi Yishlam who's the koil yochel than be anywhere else. 
Because Tzadikim knew that they were really secure. What we have in our bank accounts and our trust funds and all the security we imagine that we have isn't security. The only security there is, is the Rabbeinu Shalolim. And we see it. People can have a lot. And they're still not secure. They still don't feel comfortable because they're lacking in betochen. Sometimes there are wealthy people who have a lot of money. They find it difficult to give. Now there are two types. There are sometimes people who just aren't not vonin. They're not giving. But sometimes you have a person who doesn't give because he's afraid. He doesn't spend on himself either. He's stingy. He doesn't spend on himself. He doesn't spend on others. You know what his problem is? His problem isn't that he's selfish. His problem is that he's poor. He's a poor man. He doesn't have anything from the money that the Rabbi Shalom gave because he's still not secure. And he feels if he gives away something, who knows what's going to be tomorrow. He's not a Baiteach Bashem. He has nothing. He doesn't have the Chesed. He doesn't have the Chesed. The only place where one can find true and pure Emerson security and Shalvas HaNefesh and Menuchas HaNefesh is by the Rabbeinu Shalom. So we have to think about this. That means at the moment when I have something, a difficulty in the Soyan, whatever it is, something didn't go the way I planned. As we said last week, the Bnei Sosta says when a person has a bit of Tsaros Agmas Nefesh, he should say that immediately the Pasuk, Re'ei Hashem on Yiva'amoli V'solo Chol Chatoisai. At that moment, when something is going difficult, and I say to Rebbe, this is coming for you, on by Tayach, and you know what I did at that moment? I opened up the heavens to shower me with Ahavas Hashem. Chesed Yisoy Vivenu. I put myself in touch with the greatest power, and I made myself a member in the most powerful household in existence. I lifted up the Keshe that I have to Avinu Now we can do this on small levels. Because every bit, every time we have a bit of Betochen Bashem, a little bit more Menuchas HaNefesh, we're connecting somewhat to that ultimate truth. That ultimate equilibrium, the perfection of the program that was set for us that we can take. And that we can live and we can exist the way we're meant to exist. Isn't it interesting that the optimum parnosa that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provided when we talk about when we were mamish living in the hands of Hashem was the mon. And the mon was provided on a daily basis. And you couldn't take a drop more or a drop less that was coming to you. And mon is milosh and emuno. The mon was nivla be'evarim. You know what means nivla be'evarim? That the goof didn't expel anything. Because it was exactly what I needed. Because that's truth, that's symmetry, that's Yashras. Emuna and Emes are from the same Shoyrish as we spoke, from the same aim, from the same Aleph Mem. That's a truthful existence. They tell a Maise, the Panevich Rebbe, Rebbe Chon and Rasim, were learning Bechavrusa, and they needed a certain Sefer. And they couldn't find the Sefer. Rabbi Chanan remembered that the Mishnah brings this Sefer somewhere. So certainly the Chafetz Chaim owns a copy. So they went to the Chafetz Chaim to his, to his house. They said, does the Rebbe have this Sefer? He says, no, I haven't got it. He says, but, uh, what do you mean? Uh, it's mentioned in the Mishnah He says, no, I borrowed it. He says, I don't have money to buy Svarim. He says, and it, so the Chafetz Chaim said like this. 
In America, they say time is money. But I know that money is time. And he explained the Gemara. There's a Gemara about Rishlokish. When Rishlokish died, he left over for his Yorshim one bag of vegetables. A plate of carrots. Kaba du Marika. A kaba of some sort of vegetable. And he said, he cried, the Pasig, how tragic that I leave my fortune over to others. He didn't forget his, he didn't forget his children a little bit of vegetables. He was upset that he didn't eat them. What's pshat on the Gemara? The Chavetz Chaim said a moir de kipshat. Money is time. Every nickel I have in my pocket was paid for with time from my life. Rish Lokish had worked out his life to such perfection that every moment of his life was accounted for. What did I do with it? If it came to the end of his life and there was a pound of carrots left, that means there was five minutes of my life that went to waste. It didn't stim, it didn't line up perfectly. And I heard myself on this Meister, Rabbi Yankiv Meyeshecht, Rabbi Yishlam, Rabbi Yishlam, who said that we know the history of Rishlokish, that Rishlokish, Rabbi Yechenon, saved him from a life of being ahead of a gang of bandits, and he saw Rishlokish's great strength, he saw him jump over the water, and he said, Your strength should go to Torah. And that's what he meant over here. The Heiliger Rabbi Yechenon said that I have strength, could have went to Torah, and here it didn't line up exactly, it wasn't perfect truth, it wasn't perfect MS. It's so true, it's so MS that it's not dependent on any outside factors. And that's why it's the best place to be. The Heiliger Rabbi Yechenon Chaim Zonnefeld was known to be an extraordinary Baal Betochen who lived mamish daily with the words of the Heilige Chayvah Salavavah. And he once saw his wife crying. His Rebbe said she couldn't take it anymore. There was never any food in the house, never chiloed. And he turned to the Rebbe and was mispowled. He said, Rebbe I beg you, you have to help me. He says, money I don't need. I, don't, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to walk on the street and find money lying on the street because then it would mean that I gained at somebody else's disappointment. Somebody else had to lose it. I wouldn't want to have Hanor from somebody else's tzah. The only thing I ask you, Rabbi Shalolem, is to put betochen into my Rebetzin's heart. Because if you'll put more betochen into her heart, then you'll have given us, and it won't cost anybody else anything. You'll have given us toys, goodness. You'll have lifted us up into a different world. Where everything is good. A self-contained world. A world that's a different mockum. It's different than all the sviva. We live in a sviva. We can live in a sviva of chesed yisoyvevenu. How much can we do? That's our avodah. Avada, We're krutzei choymen. We have our taibas. We have our midas. We have our worries. We have our pechodim. But every little bit of effort that we put, every time we remind ourselves, sometimes we forget, we get so caught up in the hectic running of our lives, just to remind ourselves again and again, it's the Rabbeinu Shalom who's in charge, it's the Rabbeinu Shalom who's deciding, the Rabbeinu Shalom who knows what's good for me, the Rabbeinu Shalom who loves me, and will only do what's good for me. Every time we express that thought and that feeling, 
we're to the bracha of Habayteach Bashem Chesed Sebevenu. We're to be able to feel the simcha that that betachin brings of Ani Bechazdech Obotachti Yogi Alibi Bishu Asecha.